Hello, my crime clan, and welcome to another episode of Altitude Crime. I'm your host, Amelia Allen. Today's episode is another listener suggestion, and it is fitting for this week because this case took place over the St. Patrick's Day holiday in 2018. So a big shout out to Genesis. She is the one who sent this in, and it was a case I wasn't familiar with, so I'm really glad to be covering it. As a little housekeeping note before we dive in, so I know if you're listening to this episode a little later in the week that Letitia Stout has had a hearing as far as her insanity plea and what's going to be happening in that trial. I will get you updated at some point. I'm not going to be able to do that this week, but in a couple weeks I will be kind of covering what's going on with that case. So I promise it is coming. Okay guys, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. As I said, our story begins on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, 2018. At the time, Rita Gutierrez Garcia is 34 years old. According to Amy Bounds reporting for the Loveland Reporter Herald, Rita's aunt, Jody Martinez, said, quote, Her little giggle was the best thing ever. Whenever I think of her, I think of her laugh, unquote. And this says so much about who Rita was. Rita had three sons that were 18, 12, and 9 at the time. Rita was actually studying to be a paralegal and only had one semester left before she finished the program. But on St. Patrick's Day, she decided to cut loose and went out with her cousin and some friends. At the end of the evening, as it rolled into the early hours of March 18th, Rita had been walking to the car with her friends and her cousin. This group had come together to go to their festivities for the evening. But Rita told them that she was going to get a ride home with someone else. The last sighting of Rita was at 2.30 that morning on March 18th in the parking lot of Three's Bar on the 300 block of Kaufman Street in Longmont, Colorado. Rita was on the phone when she was last seen, but we're not sure who she was talking with. Later that day, Rita and her sons were supposed to go to her youngest sister Nicole's baby shower. Rita's mom, Diane, would be going to pick her up, and when Rita didn't answer the phone prior to Diane getting there, her family just assumed she had a late night partying and was probably sleeping in a little bit. When Diane got to Rita's place to pick her and the boys up for the baby shower, she wasn't there. The boys had gone to sleep and woke up to find their mother still not home. So Diane took the boys to the shower and then started to ask around with Rita's friends about where she was, and nobody knew. Rita's family and friends had no contact from her since very early in the morning of March 18th, and it was unlike her to be out of communication and to not have come home. Rita was an attentive mother and would have not left her children without saying anything. It would be found that there were no records of Rita getting in a taxi or a rideshare like an Uber or a Lyft. But unfortunately, there was no surveillance in the direct area of where she left the bar to see what happened or who she had gone with. Police immediately sought witnesses at Three's Bar, Breaker's Grill, and Winchell's Donut House, which were all businesses right in the area of where Rita was last seen. They also started questioning the people closest to Rita. And they pretty immediately ruled out her ex-husband, 
and father of her children, as well as her current boyfriend. Early on in the investigation, there was a lead about a Pastor Barry that was quickly ruled out. And then there were rumors of her being found in a lake in the Longmont area, and these were quickly debunked as well. On May 6, 2018, police first indicated that they did not believe that Rita was still alive. This was about two months after her initial disappearance. Searches that had happened at that point turned up no sign of her. And as of July 2018, the case was being investigated as a homicide. At this point, they did say that they had a person of interest, but did not publicly say who that person was. This and other information about the case was kept pretty mum in order to protect the ongoing investigation. Even though investigators felt that Rita was deceased at this point, her family continued to pay her bills and keep her apartment in the case that that wasn't true, and Rita could come home and resume her normal life. On July 19th, 2018, 32-year-old Juan Jose Figueroa was announced as a suspect. According to Blair Miller's reporting for the Denver Channel, police could now call him a suspect, quote, as a result of testing from evidence submitted to forensic laboratories, unquote. As a grand jury would find out later, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, or CBI, did a forensic search of Figueroa's truck and found DNA in the vehicle consistent with Rita's DNA. Now, prior to Figueroa being named publicly as a suspect in July, police had actually tried to make contact with him that March, March 2018, right after Rita went missing. But as soon as Figueroa felt that he may be a suspect, he fled. So he fled on March 20th, 2018 and fled to Texas first. He then crossed the border into Mexico on March 22nd. It was deduced by investigators as they were doing this investigation that Rita was not with him as he made these travels to Texas and Mexico. On March 27, 2018, he tried to re-enter the U.S. and was stopped by Customs and Border Patrol and arrested at that time. He was told the warrant was for a sexual assault as he was being arrested for an incident that happened in November 2017 in a Longmont bar, not for Rita's case. This 2017 case was a sexual assault and strangling. In this particular case, Figueroa had met a woman in a bar, and the assault took place when they went back to his apartment. He strangled the victim to unconsciousness, but she was able to escape the apartment and notify police. According to Blair Miller's reporting for the Denver Channel, Figueroa said of the charge when he was arrested, quote, that's the only warrant, that's it, just sex assault, sweet, let's get this over and done with so I can get my bond, get it posted, unquote. Figueroa did himself no favors once he was in prison for the 2017 charges. According to Blair Miller's reporting for the Denver Channel, he told his cellmate that Rita had called him a quote-unquote weirdo, and then he punched her. The punch knocked Rita unconscious, and then he strangled her and disposed of her body. Blair Miller's reporting also said that this cellmate told authorities that Figueroa said Rita's body was, quote, in an area not accessible to the public, unquote. After disposing of her body, he then went to see his sister at 8 a.m. later that morning on March 18th and made use of her fireplace. 
Given this information, police got a court order approved that allowed them to tap Figueroa's phone while he was behind bars. And this phone tap was pretty successful. Again, as Blair Miller reported, according to court documents, quote, During the recording, Figueroa could be heard talking about how he had burned his clothing and extensively cleaned his truck in order to avoid detection. A witness before the grand jury testified that Figueroa started a fire or stood next to a fire in fireplace in the days after Gutierrez Garcia went missing. Figueroa also stated that he had burned the body and that the only way anyone could find it is if police inserted a probe into his brain, unquote. And just a little note there, if that part about the fireplace sounds weird, where I said next to a fire in fireplace, it's because the name of that person or that place has been redacted from the records. In addition to the phone tap at the prison, investigators also got access to Figueroa's cell phone information, financial data, and social media. While authorities were building the case against him for Rita's murder, there was some resolution in the 2017 case. Figueroa was held on those charges with a $1 million cash-only bond. And in 2019, he was convicted of multiple charges in the case, including first-degree assault, attempted murder, and multiple sex assault counts. He got 48 years for the sex assault alone and then additional time for all of the other counts in the case, leading to a 93-year total sentence. For this case, he was serving time at the Buena Vista Correctional Complex, which is in South Buena Vista, about two hours west of Colorado Springs. It was this 2017 case and conviction that helped propel Rita's case. In the case of Rita's disappearance and murder, Figueroa was charged with first-degree murder, second-degree kidnapping, and felony murder. Now, if you're not familiar with this charge, felony murder means that the murder happened while a felony was also going on. The kidnapping is the felony in this case leading to this charge. In June 2021, Figueroa was indicted by a grand jury. The grand jury was actually set to happen in 2020, but was interrupted by the COVID-19 virus outbreak. This grand jury that happened in 2021 was the first one to happen since the onset of COVID-19. Figueroa was represented by public defenders. And this grand jury was really important because this case was still a no-body case. Rita's body had still not been found. So authorities did have to prove that she was not alive in order to pursue murder charges. They were able to provide testimony that showed it was uncharacteristic of her to just run off. But on top of that, they were also able to show that all of her social media and financial accounts had been completely inactive since March 18th of 2018. There was also some pretty compelling phone evidence in regards to Rita's phone compared to Figueroa's locations. Rita's phone was on the 600 block between Main and Kaufman Street between 2.40 and 3.03 a.m. on the morning of March 18th. Figueroa's truck, which is a white two-door Chevy pickup, was in the same area at this time and was seen on security camera footage. At 3.07 a.m., 911 got a call from Rita's phone, but the call disconnected and they called back twice to receive no answer. 
We then know that Figueroa's truck had been seen proceeding down Long Peaks Avenue, and Rita's phone was also found to be in the same location at this time. Her phone service fell off the network at about 3.10 a.m., and the last location that her phone pinged at was 3rd Avenue and Vivian Street in southwest Longmont. Figueroa had also been seen at the bar that Rita was at at one point during the evening. This was around 1.30 a.m. It was also pointed out that there were a lot of similarities between Rita's case and the case that Figueroa had just been convicted for that happened in 2017. In both cases, he separated the women from their friends during the night, and this most likely gave him a chance to see how drunk they were and how pliable they may be. The indictment against Figueroa included first-degree murder after deliberation, first-degree murder, felony murder, and second-degree kidnapping. As I talked about a couple episodes ago, to have a first-degree kidnapping, there has to be a ransom note. So this led this to being a second-degree kidnapping charge. The mandatory sentence for the murder charges that Figueroa was indicted on is life in prison without the possibility of parole. I have included the actual indictment itself, which was under Boulder County, on the website if you want to take a look at that, so that is on AltitudeCrime.com. According to Laura Studley's reporting for the Canyon City Daily Record, in a news conference after the indictment, District Attorney Michael Doherty said, quote, It was our commitment and promise to Rita's family from the very start that we would not let this case go cold. There are roughly 1,700 cold case homicides that remain unsolved in the state of Colorado. And from the very first day, we were absolutely committed to ensuring Rita's name would not end up on that list, unquote. The district attorney accredited not only his team in leading the case to a grand jury indictment, but also Rita's family, as they continued to talk about her case over the years publicly, and that helped create a lot of leads for police. According to Blair Miller's reporting for the Denver Channel, District Attorney Doherty said, quote, The family put the trust in the Longmont Police Department and worked really closely with detectives and command staff in the years since she disappeared to be sure we were all united in doing what we can, unquote. Also in Blair Miller's reporting, Rita's mom, Diane Romero, said of the indictment, quote, It is a joyous day. I've been praying for this day, so God has given this to me. But at the same time, it's heartbreaking because I still don't have my daughter. There's still a road to be traveled, and we'll get there. We'll get the justice that we've been wanting. I'm still praying, and I know the Longmont Police Department has not given up on the fact that my daughter will be found, unquote. Thompson Park in Longmont had long been a special place in Rita's family. Over the years, they had many family events there prior to Rita going missing. But after her disappearance... Thompson Park became a place of healing for the family, and they went there many times after she disappeared. When she first went missing, they placed ribbons on the trees there, and there was a particular tree at the park that kind of served as a landmark and somewhere that they went to celebrate Rita's life or talk to her or just overall, you know, have a memorial for her. They asked the city if they could adopt the tree, but this was not a program that the city had in place. When they told Longmont Police Detective Cody Clark, who was the lead investigator on Rita's case, about wanting to adopt a tree there and not being able to, he suggested getting a bench instead. 
And it was actually Detective Clark that set up the fundraiser online for the bench. It didn't take long to raise the $2,000 to put a bench and plaque in place in the park in Rita's honor. Detective Clark also helped the family figure out what would go on the plaque that would sit on this memorial bench. The bench actually faces the tree that was so important to them so they can go there and still have that really special place. And it really serves as a substitute for a grave for Rita since to date Rita's body has still not been found. The bench was dedicated on Rita's 36th birthday, April 7th, 2019, one year and one month after her disappearance. The family hosted a party that day, and in addition to Rita's family, Longmont Police Chief Mike Butler, Deputy Chief Jeff Sater, Boulder County District Attorney Michael Doherty, and a number of Longmont police officers attended the celebration of Rita's life with them. They just had a great party and a balloon release, and according to the Denver Channel, Rita's mom, Diane, said, quote, she liked to celebrate her birthday, and she liked laughing and having fun. So that's what we're hoping. We wanted a day of celebration, not a day of mourning. We're going to celebrate her life, unquote. From what I can tell, Juan Jose Figueroa is still awaiting trial in Rita's death. According to Blair Miller's reporting for the Denver Channel, Rita's younger sister Jessica said, quote, I never doubted you guys. I always knew we would reach our moment of victory. I know this is just the beginning, but we are on our way. We just want everybody to not forget Rita. Remember her. Not as a victim. She'll be victorious. She's not going to be a victim. She's going to win still. We're going to win. Unquote. While Rita's family waits for a true resolution in this case, they still visit Thompson Park and Rita's bench often. According to Janet Oravetz's reporting for Nine News, the plaque on Rita's bench reads, quote, In loving memory of Rita Gutierrez Garcia, for the rest of our lives we will search for moments full of you, unquote. There was some information in 2018 that Rita's body could be somewhere between Longmont and Rollins Pass, which is about two and a half hours southwest of Longmont. There was also some information that the body could be around Peak to Peak Highway or Jamestown, which is just west of Longmont. There's also a possibility that her body could be at Rabbit Mountain, which is about 20 minutes north of Longmont. All of this area that I'm talking about is very deep with dirt roads and four-wheel drive trails. So if you are in this area just enjoying Colorado, please be alert and report anything that could lead to the location of Rita's body. There is a $10,000 reward for any information leading to the recovery of her remains. I have left a link to the Charlie Project on the website at altitudecrime.com. You can refer to the pictures there of Rita because there's a lot of identifying pictures on there. She had a lot of tattoos that were really identifying. Rita was also about 5'7 and 140 to 150 pounds. The last time she was seen, she was in all black. She had like a shirt or a dress over leggings with knee-high black boots. And she was carrying a small purse. Rita had brown hair and it was blonde in the last four inches of it, so kind of a very long bilage. She also had green acrylic nails and fake eyelashes. 
if you see anything or have any information, no matter how small, regarding Rita's whereabouts, please call the Longmont Police Department at 303-651-8501. You can also reach Detective Clark directly at 303-774-4392. And there's also an email you can use, and that's police tip line at longmontcolorado.gov. And as I said, Figueroa is still awaiting trial as far as I know for Rita's death. So I will keep you updated as that continues to move through the judicial process. Okay, guys, so this has been a long and winding story. And while there is some sense of resolution, we still are awaiting a trial and the location of Rita's remains. So let's get into some thoughts. Musing number one. And I think I've said this in another episode, but it's just so wild to me to think how COVID-19 has affected trials and court proceedings in general. Like when I'm recording episodes like this, I'm thinking if somebody in 10 years listens to this, like it gives a very specific snapshot of what our daily life is like right now because it's so different. And I just always think about that when I'm recording cases like this. Musing number two, I also wanted to touch on how much easier it is nowadays to kind of cross that line from missing person to homicide. And really that's based on our technological advances. You think about times pre-cell phone or something like that, somebody could just kind of wander off and not know, not be in contact, and there be a question of if they're a missing person or if they're deceased. Whereas now we are so attached to our phones, we do everything that through the internet, our banking is done online. It's so easy to now see when something like that just stops. And easy to see, you know, when you can really push that type of case into the homicide side. Musing number three. I found it interesting in Figueroa's statements that were mainly caught on the wiretaps and things he had said to his cellmate about Rita calling him a weirdo and that somehow set him off. And I wonder if this was something he was looking to do that night or if that really was something that made him snap. And I think it struck me differently because I use that word a lot just like kind of in a playful kind of way and I would never think that somebody would like be so enraged by that that they would then harm you. Musing number four. I find how Figueroa reacted when he got arrested coming back from Mexico very interesting for two reasons. First of all, he shrugs off the sexual assault charge. Like sexual assault is clearly not a big deal to this guy. Like not a problem. Like it happened. I did it. Whatever. But the other thing that caught me was he says, oh, that's the only charge. Like he automatically gives himself away that like he should be being charged for something else. Musing number five. And this is another one I've said very often lately. It seems like that, you know, these nobody homicides are so difficult. So I will be curious to see once this does go to trial at some point, If that really affects the prosecution at all, I don't think that it will. I think they have very good evidence otherwise. But it's part of why these grand juries are so important because that's proving that they even have sufficient evidence to go to trial. Musing number six. I have to applaud Figueroa's victim for reporting what happened to her. Granted, it was a pretty physical assault and I'm sure she had you know, bruises or things like that that were indicative of what happened to her. But it's so often that things like this aren't reported. Rapes aren't reported because 
there's always this projection that like the woman did something wrong or the woman shouldn't have done this or it's he said, she said. So I am so, so proud of her for reporting it, for getting justice for herself. And like I said, the resolution in her case really led to kind of the catapulting of Rita's case back into the limelight and back into getting an arrest and getting court proceedings moving forward. Musing number seven. With that said, it does make me wonder how many other women he could have allegedly done this to. I mean, he's obviously got some sort of patterns and whether that started in 2017 or started sooner, it just kind of always makes you wonder. Musing number eight. Another thing that really struck me in this case is in a world where we see so many stories where the families of victims and the authorities don't get along or, you know, families don't feel that authorities are doing enough or doing shady things or, you know, just general distrust of police right now in general in the the kind of social point that we're at. It was really good to see this kind of case where the family and investigators were so collaborative. They were really a team. They really, you know, kept pushing as much as they all could to get to this point. And I think that's really refreshing. Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. Again, thank you so much, Genesis, for the wonderful recommendation. I'm loving covering these cases that you guys want to hear. So keep them coming. You can contact me on social media at Altitude Crime Podcast and Facebook and Twitter at Altitude Crime. You can get me via email. There's an email listed on the website and a suggest a case link at altitudecrime.com along with source materials. And as always, please follow or subscribe to Altitude Crime if you haven't already or if you're one of my wonderful YouTube listeners, please go ahead and hit that bell icon and subscribe there too. Now we are entering into the St. Patrick's Day holiday. I know there's a lot of drunkenness that is coming in your guys' weekend. And if you're not a drinker, I know there's people out on the roads drinking. So please, 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 I always want you to stay safe, but be extra, extra safe this week. And I will talk to you next Sunday on Altitude Crime. Episode 49, The Murder of Rita Gutierrez Garcia, was written, recorded, and edited by Amelia Allen. Music provided by Podbean.com.